This is our second week, uh, midweek service of Lent. Last week we looked at the art piece, The Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci, written or painted in the late 1400s. This week we fast forward a few centuries to the artwork of a Filipino artist named Joy Velasco. And his story is a rather remarkable one. Uh, he unfortunately died at only at age 43 from cancer, but uh, he had an incredible amount of work that he did in his short life. The two pieces that I have picked out for us this evening again reflect the story of Jesus feeding those who are hungry at the table. And these are... Uh, it was very difficult to find actual prints of these. <laughs> um, understandably, the artist uh, no longer living, and the, it's, it was difficult. So forget the pixelated images, but this, this first one, Table of Hope, um, and then the counterpart, Table of Love. And so on the back of your scripture insert, are these two paintings, one on top of the other. And we're gonna take a moment to reflect the, over these two, but first I wanna tell you a little bit about the kids in this picture, in this first painting. So Velasco said of this piece of work, the painting reveals a story of greater hunger than a plate of rice could satisfy. What these children are starved of is love, not merely material food. So every child in this painting has a story. In fact, he wrote a book called They Have Jesus, the stories of the children of Hapag. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right. But he wrote, the, the painter wrote a book about the stories of each of these children. I'm going to tell you about a few of them. One of these children is an 11-year-old named Etok, and he lived in a community with gangs and criminals. Another one of these children's name is Imong, and he lived near a water reservoir, a dam, and he caught fish that were not meant to be eaten um, but he cooked them with vinegar and soy sauce. That was the only food that he was able to eat. Another one of these uh, little girls, her name is, um, oh, let's see here, Booknoy. And she carried around an old dirty doll, but she was orphaned after her drug-dependent parents left her with relatives, who then left her in the streets. There was a little boy, um, Dadoy. He lived under a bridge. And then the, this child here on the ground, this is a Sudanese child. And this picture, this scene is based off of a 1994 Pulitzer Prize winning photo of uh, 
the famine in Sudan. And the child there in the picture, the winning picture, it shows a starving child who collapsed on the ground, who was struggling to get food at a center in Africa. And in the background of this picture, real picture, <laughs> not a painting, um, in the background of the picture is a, a vulture is stalking the emaciated child, waiting for the child to die. So these are real live people depicted in this painting that Velasco painted. And uh, he said there are two things common to all of these subjects. One is poverty, and the other is a love of God. He said, all of them are poor. All of them have sad family backgrounds. That is why they ended up abused and in the streets. But they are all loved by God. And Jesus was with them despite their poverty. And I think I put this, yes, on the insert for you. Something happened because of this piece of work. Um, after this and exposing some of the, the poverty and the pain of that community, many people were asking how they could help these street children. And so each of these children eventually were, were given a home um, through the partnership, and I'm so sorry, I'm, I am not doing this language justice, Gavad Kalinga, and it's an organization dedicated to sheltering the homeless. And so each of these 12 children in their life were um, placed with families in Quezon City. So um, this art, um, inspired by faith, was able to transform life. And so we hear um, each of these people, we hear in the in the Last Supper that Da Vinci paints and that we read about in Scripture, 12 very real people with very unique, different backgrounds, all hungry in some way. And so here we have this modern-day image of hungry people coming to be fed. In the second reading that Joyce read, we hear the story of the feeding of the 5,000 5,000 families, not 5,000 people. So there were thousands and thousands of people gathered on a grassy hillside. And as the Gospel of John puts it, there was a little boy who gave up his lunch. And this is a remarkable miracle, but it's one of the two in each of the Gospels, the other miracle in each of the Gospels is the resurrection. But the feeding of the 5,000 is, is the only miracle that each of the four Gospels includes. And a lot of people will ask why. Well, not each of, not, not each of us will, or we won't all understand what poverty is. We won't all understand what prejudice feels like or what a broken relationship with a family member is. We won't all feel some of those things. We, some of us will. 
But one thing we all hold in common is hunger. Even if it's just a temporary feeling with the confidence that there is food waiting for us, we understand hunger. And so, we're going to take a moment and consider, as believers who come to a table to receive the bread of life, who then also are the body of Christ in this world, called to not just help those who hunger for righteousness, but hunger for food, how can we in this Lenten season consider our abundance, but also our hunger? So I'd like us, like we did last week, to take a moment and to look at these two images. And I think it may be easier to see in in the paper There, again, I'm sorry, it's not more clear, but uh, this is what I have. So you will see a correlation between the two pieces. So take a a minute and uh, please look at both of these paintings by Joey Valesco. Okay, we could have a whole lot of very fruitful conversation comparing Da Vinci's Last Supper to this Last Supper. And we could do the same between this table of hope and table of love. Um, But for now, because I believe the choir still wants to rehearse tonight, (laughs) um, I invite you all to share any thoughts about um, this this painting or maybe even comparing it to the second one. And if you'd like, I can share a microphone or you can just raise your hand and I'll repeat it. So please, any any thoughts about what this means for your faith or what this means for how God works in this world? 
top one. Jesus looks rather unhappy or upset or something, whereas in the second one, he's smiling. And I kind of, why, kind of wonder why there's a difference like that, why the artist portrayed him that way. I also noticed in the, the first painting that the table looks like it's made of old pallets. And in the second painting, the, what's being used for a table looks like the trunk of a tree. And trees always suggest uh, life to me, family, trees, you know, things like that. Plus you see homes in the background, kind of a line of small homes. I don't know if you want to call them shacks or not, but they look like they're well-kept enough. With the microphone. Okay. Um, what I noticed was the colors. The, the first one is very dark, and the people look unhappy. And on the second one, there's so much color, and the kids are smiling and laughing. And that's what kind of hit me was the difference and the stark difference in the, the colors of the paintings. Mm -hmm. I also notice uh, to uh, the difference in abundance. The first table looks very sparse. There are, yes, utensils on it, but there's not much food. And the second one is just overflowing with food. Um, Perhaps, you know, even a pitcher, it looks like a pitcher of milk, all things that are good for children. So to me, um, the top one is the table of hope and the bottom is the table of love. Um, hope to me is um, like kind of a feeling, whereas love, yes, it's a feeling, but it's also something that shows you care about someone, it's an action to me. So the bottom one looks as though um, more has been put into it almost, as if like it, pe the kids and everyone is more cared for and just loved more, um, whereas the top one, they're hoping, it, it's, a, it, it's a feeling, they don't know what's gonna happen. Whereas the bottom one, they have, like they have it right in front of them. Right. Hope, but not yet entirely fulfilled, maybe. Yeah. But okay. We're a little. Yeah. What I was thinking of, uh, what's the time frame for this? In the first one, we talk about the kids look sad, and you said that uh, a group was formed, that then took the kids in. An organization. Yes. Okay. And it makes me wonder if the happiness on the kids' faces in the second painting has to do with now them being cared for by different families. Charlie, what would you like to say? Do you have something to contribute? What's something you see? In the first one, it looks like they're in heaven, but in the second one, it looks like they're in the world. Why does it look like they're in heaven in that first one? Because there's, no there's no light. Okay. Interesting, Charlie. Thank you. Because I, I was going to say that 
that reminded me of Jesus being with us in sort of tough times because it's dark and everybody sort of clean. There's a sort of everybody looks like they're ravenous and Jesus is almost he's I wouldn't I didn't see unhappiness so much as a grim deter he's working he's not celebrating it looks more like he's uh, grimly determined to work for me and so even in a situation where things look tough, Jesus is there, and I keep, I keep being reminded in that second picture of all that language out of Isaiah about heavenly banquets and peaceable kingdoms, and I saw, you know, I, I saw, is that a cat, and it's a cat that's not complaining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one in the center of yep. that picture it's a cat and it's not complaining, um, which is odd for cats. Um, but it's, it's just to me a picture, and I just got struck in my father's house, there are many mansions. Yeah, oh yes. It's hard to see because of the way this is done, but this is a tire, whereas you see in this one, it's, it's been painted. It's, it's no longer a piece of trash, but it's a piece of art or how these kids are playing on a, an old metal drum or barrel, whereas there, they're on a bicycle. And yes, there's a kitty cat in both. Familiar creature of the slums. Any other thoughts about this artwork or Convictions as a believer because of it? Imagining the 5,000 families that were gathered on that hillside and the very wide spectrum of demographics represented there. Some were probably very poor, or abused, or orphaned. Um, of course, not maybe all of them were. But they were all at the table, all fed, and left full, fully satisfied. In the first week of Lent, we always read the temptation of Jesus. And part of that temptation is uh, fasting the discipline of hunger, the desiring God above earthly things. And we read that alongside the stories of our world where one in 12 people in our world are hungry tonight um, and don't have food security we hear about God who is the bread of life and who willingly gives us food whenever we come to the table. And we read that alongside Luke's beatitude that says, blessed are those who are hungry, for you will be filled. So during our Lenten journey, we are 
drawn close to God in many different ways. And the God whom we draw close to will be in the thick of powerful ministry that we are called also to be a part of. The first prayer that we pray each Thursday night is about fasting and repentance. And that is my prayer for us this week. You may be having a Lenten discipline of food in some way, and those are wonderfully powerful disciplines for your journeys through Lent. And as you do those, please remember and, and, and reflect on our scriptures for this evening that talk about the bread that satisfies, the bread of life that is abundant and is for all. So let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the abundance at the table. May this bread and nourishment that you so lovingly and generously give to all who are hungry, call, inspire, and equip us to care for those in our world who are still hungry, both in spirit and in body. These things we pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen.